0: Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the Contact Centre podcast. My name is Charlie and I'm the features editor at Call Centre Helper magazine. And I'm also delighted to bring you today a podcast on how to improve employee wellbeing in and amongst your contact centre. This is a topic that I've wanted to cover for a long time on the podcast and I was delighted to talk to Helen Jidman. A contact center trainer and consultant who is dedicated to preventing poor mental health and well being, ensuring better support for those who need it, and instilling accessibility, variety, diversity, and inclusivity within the call center. I learned lots while recording this podcast, and I hope that you will enjoy our thought provoking conversation. In the new normal, what do contact centres need to guard against to protect Asian well-being?
1: But, I mean, firstly, we need to be cognizant of kind of the social context we are in at the moment. Of course, we are still kind of coping with COVID-19 in, in lots of different ways, and that's affecting the country in in many different dynamics. We've got some that are locked down, some that aren't, some part locked down. And we've got this new tier system that you know, will really, really impact local areas in different ways. So we need to be cognizant of, of that kind of economy and what's happening in the local areas. We need to be aware of that there are still fears and still anxieties that exist around people going out, people seeing their family and their loved ones, fears around themselves or even their family becoming unwell and security of jobs. People are still trying to deal with what's happening outside of the big wide world, right? So with this COVID situation ongoing. So I think we need to be really mindful of that backdrop first. When we're, we're looking at you know, contact centres specifically and we're looking at that work context, you know, we have to be mindful of that lost of people that are going to be working from home that's going to continue for some time we've been doing it for months now and you would think that you know in many many respects we would get used to that environment but it it can still be quite challenging having to get yourself out of bed in the morning and come down and and get into a specific space of work and get yourself motivated and focused when you don't have some of the people around you that you're used to so that's still a challenge that kind of social isolation is, is a real issue I think Many contact centres are facing longer wait times at the moment. I mean, almost every single place that I've rang has said, you know, be prepared that there's going to be excessive waiting times in many instances because so many customers are ringing. So there's going to be some customer dissatisfaction, ultimately, at the end of it. And whilst probably in the peak of the pandemic, customers were a little bit more understanding that there was lots of changes. Now their tolerance is slightly changing. So by the time that you get on the phone to that end person, that you, you just don't know what state of mind they're going to be in at that given point. And of course, you know, there's, there's economic considerations, you know, the sustainability of the business in the current economy and current financial challenges that they're facing, both in the current and the future. How do the business make sure that their success in the future? Things like the hospitality industries, for example, have been significantly impacted. You know, where people haven't been able to go on holiday, there's question marks over their longevity. So that in itself will bring a sense of fear, perhaps a sense of anxiety for people concerned about their job security and what that looks like over the next couple of months and beyond into, into the following year. So there's lots of different things that are happening both in the social world but also in the work context that are going to potentially act as a trigger to somebody who who might be a little bit vulnerable to, to the things that are happening right now.
0: Mm. I think there's lots of really interesting points there I mean particularly uh, when you kind of talked about social isolation I mean getting up every day and just going to the next room working there and coming back I can see that after the months and months of doing that, that can cause uh, a lot of kind of almost stress, really, and lots of other things with the economic situations and the longer wait times creating more difficult customers, I think was a very interesting point. And that's these kind of having to handle challenging customers is, uh, is a very traditional factor that it can really influence agent well-being, just like other kind of factors within the call center, like the measuring and monitoring culture. So, what can contact centers do to kind of limit these sources of stress?
1: First and foremost, I think you need to be aware of what are the key stressors in your environment. I mean, first, be aware that the sources of stress have been for a long time the same. You know, it's workload, it's establishing that work life balance probably even more prevalent now you know as people more people are working from home and kind of that work life creep is really impacting the relationships that we have in the workplace and the lack of job clarity and expectations of the job role you know these are the key stresses in any business in any type of industry whether it's contact center or not so we have to be mindful that the data continuously shows us that these are the key sources of stress but when Thinking about contact centres specifically, you know, the nature of the beast is there's the high volumes, the low complexity. I mean, if you're lucky that you work in an environment where some of that low complexity work has been automated, then great. But if you haven't, you know, there's a lot of monotony with those tasks. Sometimes you've got low volume, high complexity, and there's going to be loads of opportunity for error potentially. So there's going to be a risk of those things. And I've I've even been privy to a number of organisations who, from a monitoring and measuring perspective, have alerting systems in place when there's no or low activity identified on someone's PC? One of the biggest things that is going to impact people's well-being and, and kind of reduce some of those feelings of stress is trust. So being able to trust those people when you can't see them, that you know that they're going to do the work that you're asking them to do, that they are going to deliver the service that you expect them to do and being able to support them in achieving that. You know, If we come from a different place automatically where we don't trust people, it's going to be far harder to be able to support those people, reduce feelings of stress, but also to improve their well-being so i think the contact centers really have a big challenge on their hands to you know, navigate lots of different components of this so for me thinking about how long somebody might be seated for you know that's a problem anyway in the office environment but when you're at home it's a bit different you might not have a specific ergonomic chair you might just be sat on your sofa you do, you know you could be a wealth of different places that you might be working from you know, so being able to encourage people to take regular breaks, making sure that they're taking the breaks away from their PC, that they're moving more throughout the day, because when we are at work, perhaps we go to the coffee machine and we have a chat with our colleague for five minutes and then we go and see our line manager when we're in the office or we go to the water cooler. You know, there's lots of different things that we might be doing and, and moving around for. Whereas when we're sat in our space at home, Actually, we might not be moving quite as much. We might also have longer hours of work. So we need to be really careful of making sure there are boundaries established, what we're expecting our staff to do whilst they're at home, and making sure there's a clear boundary that says, look, we're not expecting you to... To work until eight, nine, ten o'clock at night or whatever, unless that's of course your shift patterns, that, that's a bit different. But making sure there's established boundaries of when you're working and when you can switch off and don't have to work so that you do have that separation between work and then your your home life. You know, I think that's really, really critical. Every business needs to create what I call a business wellness action plan. They need to have that, that is relevant to their specific organisation. So what are the key stresses in their environment, in their culture? And they're gonna be potentially different from one person to another. You know, it might be, I was working with a client before lockdown actually, and one of the biggest causes of stress at that particular point in time was remote desk policy. So they have implemented a remote desk policy and they've gone through a process of being where everyone had their own desk and now no one did have their own desk. And that was causing a huge amount of unrest And in fact, almost every single group that I spent time with talked about this. It was number one priority. Now, their frustration wasn't so much what's happened. It was how it was done, how they were engaged, how they were involved, how they were supported throughout that change. And people actually genuinely listening to what their thoughts were on it and their feelings were on it. There are things that we can be doing and supporting people all the time if we think about listening to them, if we're listening to them first first and foremost, listening to what there is they have to say around their key stressors in the workplace and building an action plan that is relevant to that. So my action plan with that particular client, using that as an example, isn't you need to fix the remote desk policy. Actually, what we need to do is work on how do we make changes? How do we communicate these changes to our staff? How do we involve our staff in those changes? Because then they feel included, then they feel valued, then they have a sense of belonging, they feel like they've been invested in. So there are the key things that we still need to be doing when we are in this environment at the moment is helping to manage those difficult situations.
0: Yeah, I think there were so many really good points there. I really think, as you said, it's important to kind of listen to your employees to find out what their key stresses are. Setting boundaries as well, working from home, kind of clear guidance on what and what they shouldn't be doing, but also working in those regular breaks. I remember last time we spoke, I just spoke to a call center manager who told me that they'd managed to get their occupancy level up to 93%. And with a source of pride, and I thought, wow, poor advisors when he told me that one, um, especially uh, taking calls uh, time and time again without the kind of face-to-face support that people have in the contact center and now. And you see how important employee well-being is is becoming, even more so than before, perhaps. You spoke a little bit about there, about some kind of initiatives that we can use to kind of promote almost well-being in the call center just how important is it to promote actively promote well-being in the contact center and how can a contact center go about doing that?
1: So you know coming from a mental health and well-being background I'd say it's really important mm, yeah. <laughs> <But> I think <laughs> I think it's never been more important for contact centers to be thinking about the mental health and well-being of their employees we know that historically contact centers have dealt with high turnover high level of absent rates all of that is well documented from a challenge that faces that call centres have to contend with. So it's not new to the industry. So we know that we have to identify ways in which we can improve those situations, particularly now in the economy that we're in. Do we want to be investing in lots of different recruitment and, and having to deal with high levels of absenteeism? The answer is probably not. And so for me, there are loads of different things that you can try in your environment that's specific to your environment. But some of the key ones for me are absolutely talking to your employees you know taking the time out to, to spend time with them i can't stress that enough and sometimes people say well surely that's common sense but actually the reality is so many people don't pick up the phone to speak to their staff on a monday morning so many people don't have that conversation or that one-to-one with them that says like how are things going for you at the moment let's just talk about how it's going for you
0: hi everyone it's me again as we enter a new year we at call cool center helper have lots more new and exciting content to bring to you this includes podcasts webinars free contact center tools and of course lots of new articles written by yours truly so once you finish listening to this podcast why not head over to callcenterhelper.com but that's enough from me now let's get back to my conversation with helen there isn't a
1: one-size-fits-all when it comes to mental health and well-being People are going to respond very, very differently to what's happening in the workplace and outside of the workplace. We need to be cognizant of making some reasonable adjustments. So if all of a sudden the school run takes 20 minutes longer, which is it is in many parents at the moment because they have to queue and wait for the previous class to go up before they can go into the school or drop their, their children off. So those types of considerations that we need to be mindful of and what could we do around that in the workspace? So can that person start 20 minutes later and finish 20 minutes later, or can they make their time up at the end of the week? You know, these types of reasonable adjustments, I call them, that support somebody and just makes them feel like they don't have to hold the anxiety around what that could mean for them. You know, encouraging people to come together, I think is still important. Right on the early start of the pandemic, we heard, I mean, we, had, we saw lots of stories about people running you know, quizzes or virtual events and fancy dress events and all those types of things. And some of that kind of noise, I suppose, has come down a little bit. But I can't stress how important it is to still hold those virtual events where you're bringing people together in different ways for different reasons. Do a carousel coffee where where you encourage someone to have a coffee with somebody else every single day, just for 10 minutes on your coffee break. Encourage that interaction between people because that helps to break down this barrier of social isolation it helps to improve inclusivity so it makes people feel that they're part of something and of course that then brings some sense of value but encourage the breaks build peer-to-peer support network have those opportunities to develop skills and to learn they are all still important coaching and and development is still very much important and have people take the lead on some of the key areas that are impacting your business so diversity and inclusion is one for example you know create a task force that looks at the organisation and thinks about how inclusive are we? How are we really thinking about diversity in our positions, in our different types of departments that we have? How are we recognising those challenges that exist and what are we doing? Create those opportunities for people to come together for business benefit, not just for doing a quiz on a Friday afternoon or whatever it is. Make it so that people are becoming vested, even though they're not always physically there in the office
0: yeah I think again so many really uh, interesting points there especially kind of at the start when we were talking about just how important employee well-being can be and you're talking about how if you get well-being right you can knock off a lot of your other problems like motivation engagement attrition and absenteeism and stuff so I think it just kind of really highlights the value of making sure that your people are engaged and happy at work I think it was very interesting you also talked a little bit about trying to get everybody together your idea of creating a task course as well was was a particular interesting one and the carousel coffee I really liked I don't know if you have any more ideas like that because I thought that was a particularly interesting
1: one. <laughs> put me on the spot now yeah <laughs> uh, So I, I, I mean I recently created an article about 52 ways to well-being in the workplace which are entirely free it won't cost you a penny so much things that you could do. So, you know, creating a gratitude board where people can post messages of gratitude to their colleagues. So being able to identify things that you're grateful for on a given day can really help to cut through things like rumination. It can help challenge negative thoughts. It can help promote positive thoughts just by writing three things down that you're grateful for every day. And why not do it for your colleagues and have that some sort of a virtual dashboard or something that you can have a look at and see what people are saying around and what they're grateful for for their colleagues I love that creating a stress board you know where people can write down things that they do to de-stress what are the ideas that they have that they might want to share I mean that that is a really great one because it reinforces messages that everybody experiences poor mental health so we're all experiencing it we all have those days where we have to think a little bit differently and and challenge ourselves in a different way when it comes to our can help to reduce the stigma. It can create positive conversations around stress and managing stress all by people sharing their own ideas. So you're really having kind of this ripple effect with some really simple ways in which people can start to think about their mental health and wellbeing. And I always think about it, when I'm working with people and companies, I always think that there's three levels of a business. There's the organization level, there's a leadership level, and there's an employee level. So what do we have to enable at an organisation level when it comes to things like mental health and wellbeing? So do we have the kind of the employee assistant programme? Do we have a culture of inclusivity? Do we have values? Are we giving our teams the right resources to be able to do their jobs you know this is all kind of organization level that affects everybody then we're looking at the leadership level and how they support people how they engage people how they interact with people how they monitor how they measure how they do their one-to-ones how they do absence management all of that piece big piece sits in that leadership level and their level of influence is huge. And then we have the employees. What what does the employee have to do? What do they need to do? Because, of course, we've all got accountability to our own well-being. We all have that level of responsibility that we have to take. I know that in the mornings when I get up, I have to brush my teeth and I have to have a shower and that keeps me hygienically healthy. It's the same concept if we think about it from a well-being perspective. There are things that I have to do to maintain positive mental health and positive well-being. So I have that accountability to myself as well and the roles and responsibilities that they have to take in being true to themselves. So where businesses are saying, encouraging people to be physically active, businesses can't force you to be more physically active. They can't force you to go for a marathon run or train on a bike for 60 miles, but they can give you the accessibility within a work capacity and give you that ability to make positive choices about that. So thinking about things like flexible working, that's a real key one. A lot of the reasons why people don't do physical activity is because they say, I can't find the time in my day or in my week. So if we create these flexible working ways of being in the workplace, then does that mean that frees up some more time for somebody to be able to go and do the run or go to the gym or whatever it is so those companies really start the ripple for me when it comes to well-being initiatives and well-being ideas it's not just let's go and do a weekly zumba in the boardroom you know, yes yeah. it's far greater than that the role that they play there's lots of different things getting involved in local charities that's always great right now charities are really in need of help you know, where you can volunteer for a couple of hours of the day or for half a day, or maybe if you can't take time off work because that's just not feasible in the working environment, building up lots of food for a food bank. They're really valuable things that make so much different. Giving is one of the five ways to well-being can be really powerful in influencing how positive we feel about ourselves and that we're making a difference to other people's lives, which again is really critical for mental health and well-being. So, you know, it's different. I always say that every business can do something when it comes to mental health and well-being and it doesn't have to cost them a fortune to be able to do it it's just about finding and adapting ideas to suit the business and the culture
0: I think there's so many uh, really good ideas there I think I'm definitely going to have to put a link to your uh, 52 ways to well-being article in the description of this podcast so everybody listening can check that out and hear more from you because I think it's really great and we could we could talk about this topic for ages I'm sure but thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today Helen and yeah we'd be delighted to have you back one day as well
1: thanks so much for having me
0: that's all for today's podcast i'd just like to say thank you to helen for taking the time to talk to me i hope that some of the ideas that we've discussed today have inspired you to try out some new well-being initiatives in your contact center i have also left a link in the description box to the article helen and i discussed with 52 mental health and well-being ideas for your workplace that won't cost you a penny thanks to you all for listening and i'll be back with another episode soon so stay tuned Contact Centre Podcast is produced by Call Centre Helper, the leading contact centre magazine. You can subscribe to our podcasts or give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify. You can also access our entire range of podcasts through the Call Centre Helper website by visiting callcenterhelpercom forward slash podcasts.